25. 25 games since Scott Frost took over the Nebraska Cornhuskers in the 2018 regular season. 25 one-possession losses. That is outer that that is outer worldly. I am still in utter shock of this game, and PJ Fleck just created the 25th case study that proves that to be a Nebraska Cornhusker fan is to live through pain and suffering during the college football season. And you want to know how I know that outside of the fact that 25 one possession losses since 2018 would make me go nuts? I know that because, like plenty of other examples, Nebraska in 2021 versus Iowa, Nebraska versus Northwestern in 2022, and this game, this matchup, a game where Minnesota was totally out of character, totally out of character, a team that ran for over 60% of their plays, Last year, in 2022, they passed 44, 44 times, and only ran it 25 times for 55 yards and averaged 2.2 yards per carry. And Ethan Kaliak-Manis only averaged 4.5 yards per pass attempt, throwing one touchdown and one interception. You look at that stat line, and you think, that Minnesota not only lost, they probably got dominated. The answer is no. Minnesota won 13-10 in one of the most cancerous and toxic games I have ever watched. And yes, it was entertaining because it was a close game. There was never a team that dominated. My heart was racing at the end. And it's hard for me to say who deserved the win, but at the end of the day, Minnesota having less turnovers and having two final clutch drives means that they deserve the win, hands down. But this was a close football game. And the stat line for Minnesota exclusively, if I told you those things before the game, as a Nebraska fan, you'd feel pretty optimistic. And me as a Michigan fan who picked Minnesota to score 38 points, I would feel probably more optimistic about Nebraska winning than you, the Nebraska fan, would. Honestly, because entering this game, Jeff Sims, Marcus Washington, Nate Borkacher, Thomas Fedone, and a running back room that while I thought Minnesota's was better, and that was one of the many things about this game I got wrong in the preview, I do think Nebraska has the better and deeper running back room now. I thought that Nebraska had enough talent at skill position that their offense would be more functional than it turned out to be. And Ethan Kaliak-Manis throwing 44 pass attempts is not good, but we'll get to statistics later and break that down in more detail. Jeff Sims going 11 of 19 for 114 yards, one touchdown, three picks, nearly threw a fourth in the fourth quarter, on a drive where Marcus Satterfield, for whatever reason, decided to go three and out by having three pass attempts when your team is rushing for five yards per carry on a team that can't throw the football or can't run an offense, period, amen. I mean, I'm not a Nebraska fan. I'm not corn-crazed. I'm not corn-nation. I'm not a Nebraska fan or, or channel. 
and reading these statistics and realizing that I bought into Nebraska winning this game in the fourth quarter, when my friends, I kid you not, they were texting me that what if Nebraska blows this lead? I mean, who, who do you think will win, win right now? And entering this game and even into halftime, even when Nebraska got the trick play seven to three early third quarter, I was still relatively confident Minnesota was going to win this game, but fourth quarter, Nebraska's up 10 to three or seven to three. And it looks like they're about to punch it in. And I told my friends, no, nope. I still think that Nebraska is going to, I still think that Nebraska is going to pull this off. And I meant by still think I meant my mind changed. Pardon me. My mind changed. I thought Nebraska was going to win. Embarrassingly enough, on the third down, the third and 10, and the fourth and 10, fourth and 10, Kaliak Manis cannot throw. He's thrown no touchdown passes, one interception. I thought that he was going to throw an incomplete pass, maybe another pick, and Nebraska was going to walk away with a road win. I was bought in. I was sucked in. Nebraska's defense played lights out. You cannot blame this loss on the defense. You can't. When you hold an opposing team with the wide receiver talent that Minnesota has, and the tight end talent as well, when you hold that offense to 13 points, yes, Minnesota's offense was totally out of character, and they weren't good, but you're doing something right defensively. You just are. I thought that Tony White played a good game, as a coordinator, I thought that he dialed pressure at the right time. You know, Minnesota's offensive line all day, except for a few plays, they were horrendous in opening up holes and helping Sean Tyler and Bryce Williams and Darius Taylor get through holes. They were horrendous at run blocking, but they were good to great at pass blocking. I mean, it was very hard for Nebraska to get pressure, and they ended up getting three sacks. Um, but Nash Hutchmacher's sack, the polar bear, as Nebraska fans affectionately call him, he got a big sack. That was the most notable sack, in my opinion, of the whole game. Nebraska had three sacks, five tackles for loss. Minnesota, it was literally the same thing. The defensive statistic sheets were practically the same outside of the fact that Minnesota forced four turnovers. Nebraska's defense forced one. And Minnesota's defense was clutch where they needed to be getting a turnover in the red zone before halftime, getting another turnover when Nebraska was on their side of the field. And while Nebraska was running the ball and chewing clock, they forced that fumble from Anthony Grant, and that drive turned into a touchdown on a 4th and 10 to Daniel Jackson, which I made a YouTube short out of because that was a phenomenal, phenomenal clutch catch. The ball wasn't even thrown properly by Kaliak Manis. He could have placed that about a yard further back, and Daniel Jackson wouldn't have had to make, honestly, an acrobatic ballerina near splits move to keep his foot in bounds. But I was sucked in, totally. I, I thought that Nebraska was going to win this game, and they didn't. They did not. And a 10-3 game turned into a 13-10 win for a P.J. Fleck team that I definitely was more bullish on than I should have been. Most of my game preview predictions got burned 
within the first three quarters. And Minnesota still found a way to win. This game was toxic. It was, I could sense the heartbreak not even being a fan of either side. Um, And I know that for a fact there are going to be players and coaches blamed for this loss. And maybe there is some blame to pass around in regards to Nebraska. But two of my predictions, two of them, I did get right, I think. And one of them was the clutch factor, the coaching factor, the experience, the cohesiveness, the team chemistry. All of those things are sort of baked into the same thing. Team culture. Daniel Jackson, that fourth down catch, that's, all, that's skill. But the timeout before that call, and, and when P.J. Flick took that timeout, part of me is thinking, initially, although obviously in retrospect it was the right thing to do, even if Kaliak Manis didn't make that throw and Daniel Jackson didn't make that catch, that would have been the right move to make that timeout. Initially, with all the adrenaline, I'm thinking, what are you doing? You already had a timeout earlier. You take another one here and you don't get it. Nebraska just has to, they don't even have to get a first down. They'll punt it back to you with a few seconds and there's no way you're getting down the field that quickly. None. But they made the right call. Daniel Jackson just, I forget who the corner's name was. I think it, I think it was Malcolm Hartsog, I believe. Burned him. Torched him. And Kaliak Manis, again, did not even make the perfect throw. That was all Daniel Jackson. He's my player of the game. Made a clutch touchdown grab on 4th and 10. Nine receptions, 68 yards and a touchdown. As Mark Ingram pointed out, I was going to make Tyler Newbin the player of the game because I thought Daniel Jackson was practically inactive for the entire game outside of that touchdown catch, but I was wrong. He had 68, 68 receiving yards. And given how bad Kaliak Manis and really the whole offense played, getting that many yards and getting nine receptions was impressive. And Daniel Jackson was the best wide receiver by a mile on the field today. Corey Crooms had seven receptions for 63 yards, no touchdowns, but he did make a few mental errors. Daniel Jackson was the better wide receiver, and he was the best wide receiver on the team last year. And Minnesota got that touchdown catch and had leadership and good chemistry at the end of the game, at least on offense, despite missing Chris Altman-Bell, despite Brevin Spanford, who was my player to watch in this game, only having five receptions for 45 yards. And defensively, Cody Lindenberg was out. So Minnesota achieved this win, having adversity in their own right, and that's impressive. And that's why Minnesota was able to win, was because of the culture, to reference the earlier point. They have the more established culture. They, in my mind, have the better head coach. If you disregard that, just look at the three-and-out all-pass drive by Nebraska in the fourth quarter. As Corn Craze mentioned in his live stream, which began around an hour of this video being released likely, look at Anthony Grant being put in the game, who's known to have fumble problems, and Minnesota is a team who thrives off of mistakes. They rarely force turnovers, although they forced four of them, nearly five, in this game. Very impressive play by Justin Wally. Very impressive play by Tyler Newbin, who I almost made player of the game if not for Mark Ingram pointing that out. Ethan Kaliak-Manis was terrible. He didn't even have 200 passing yards, and he had 44 passing attempts. I mean, Spencer Petras 
in 2022 against Minnesota. And I use this game because it was the same exact score, 13-10, same exact point total, 23. And in a skeletal way, but a very imperfect way, of course, the outcome of the game was similar in a lot of ways. Iowa in that game had less yards. Minnesota had 399 yards to Iowa's 280. Iowa had an offense that all year looked inferior to Minnesota's. And Minnesota especially ran the football better. They had 312 rushing yards, averaging 6.2 yards per carry, and had one rushing touchdown. Iowa only had 28 carries for 59 yards and 2.1 yards per carry. It was lunacy. It was pure lunacy of the highest degree. That game and this game about how the team who dominated in the run attack, which typically guarantees you a win in the Big Ten, didn't matter. P.J. Fleck only has one. His teams are 0-6 in the past six games when a team runs the football for more than 150 yards. Well, Nebraska broke that streak for him, and now P.J. Fleck is 1-0 in the past one game where his defense has allowed over 150 rushing yards. I mean, the script for the Minnesota-Iowa game from last year being copied and in a skeletal way pasted into this Nebraska-Minnesota game, incredible. And also, Nebraska Nebraska fans will say it's a curse, and it's not a curse. P.J. Fleck is the better culture. He's the better head coach. And number two is Minnesota won the turnover battle which is another thing that I predicted. Now, I thought that both offenses were going to light it up, and they didn't. They It, both, it was the inverse of that, the exact opposite of what I predicted. Just like Nebraska's season last year where they I predicted them to go 10-2 and and they go 4-8, and the defense has dominated this game completely. Minnesota's defense was the much better defense on the field. They were, because Minnesota's offense, despite having three less turnovers that they produced was the inferior offense. Minnesota, despite being more disciplined, was more out of sync. Nebraska's turnovers looked almost flukish. Nebraska was a team that was more inconsistent than Minnesota in good ways and bad. Nebraska at times looked consistently good and consistently dominant. Minnesota at other times was giving up first downs on defense. They had that horrendous blown coverage and a trick play, which they should have taken advantage of, but it went Nebraska's way. And Minnesota offensively was consistently awful. Even in those final clutch drives where Kaliak Manis led the team down the field, got them the touchdown and got them the field goal, which credit to Kaliak Manis, even then the offense was consistently bad. Having five to four to six yard checkdowns. And then really with the killer, the killer was the final play, the final play of the game for Minnesota's field goal. Sean Tyler gets an 11 yard run from the Nebraska 40 to 29. If that's a one yard run, like it would have been on any other play except the final, you know, offensive play of the game. Well, Dragan Kesich does not make a 57 yard field goal. He doesn't make that field goal, and this game goes to overtime. But, of course, Sean Tyler gets that 11-yard carry. So 
it's painful for Nebraska. It sucks, but I still think that your program is much better than any year under Scott Frost. Much better. And Minnesota, it's sort of a similar way because Minnesota fans will panic after this game. They got away with a game that they easily could have lost. And because of a player like Daniel Jackson and also Tyler Newbin and a good head coach in P.J. Fleck, they didn't. They won the turnover battle, and they had the more clutch team, the team with the better culture and cohesion. And the cohesion was still bad, but Nebraska's was just worse. Nebraska was the more inconsistent football team overall. And at the end of the day, those two things were all that Minnesota needed to win. On a brief side note here, I expect both of these programs to be better football teams in their final regular season games compared to this game that they just played. There are plenty of new faces on both the Minnesota Golden Gophers and the Nebraska Cornhuskers football teams. Nebraska has more returning production than Minnesota does, but they have a completely new staff. They brought in more transfers, and they're trying to build a new culture. And they're trying to bounce back from a broken program and a program that hasn't just been broken for the past year or two, but a program that's been broken for now over half a decade. For Minnesota, it's similar in some regards with the plenty of new faces from the transfer portal. But more importantly, they didn't bring back John Michael Schmitz. They did not bring back Chuck Filiega. They did not bring back Axel Rushmeyer. They did not bring back Muhammad Ibrahim. The interior of that offensive line and Muhammad Ibrahim, their bruising back who carried them in several games last year, is gone. And Tanner Morgan is gone too. And he was a leader last year, even though he was injured and Kaliak Manis took his place. And that stability with the run game, the interior offensive line, and Tanner Morgan having a lower ceiling than Kaliak Manis, but a much higher floor in my mind, Minnesota is now in an uncomfortable identity crisis, offensively especially. Defensively, they're a near-elite defense, and we'll get to that later. Nebraska, on the other hand, is in an identity crisis themselves, but that's just because they're trying to build an identity for the first time. I guarantee you both of these teams still go bowling. We'll touch more on that for Nebraska when we talk about them in a few seconds, actually, and they'll look much better at the end of the year and even in the middle of the year compared to what they showed us just this Thursday night, now Friday, August 31st. Let's talk about the losers first and save the best for last. I know on Josh Pate's show, he typically talks about winners first. Just because I want to change things up, I have respect for his show, and also because traditionally on my college football channel, I've talked about saving the best for last, especially in my Big Ten predictions and Top 25 videos, we're going to stick with that same theme. For the Nebraska Cornhuskers, they had a heartbreaking loss. One touchdown, 300 offensive yards. There was promise, but heartbreak was the name of the game at the end of the day. Like Minnesota did against Iowa, and again, this is sort of what makes this game ironic, is Minnesota did to Nebraska this year what Iowa did to Minnesota last year. Nebraska outgained Minnesota in total yards. They had the better running attack, and even though Minnesota had more first downs, that's because Nebraska had more explosive plays. Nebraska was the more consistent and superior offense, much like Minnesota against Iowa last year. But Minnesota, on the other hand, this year, like Iowa last year, had the superior defense, 
the better turnover margin, and the more clutch head coach, the more clutch program, and they made less mistakes. Minnesota last year failed on a fourth down conversion, and they had a fumble, a fumble which if Ibrahim doesn't cough up that ball or Iowa's defense doesn't force that turnover last year, Minnesota punches it in the red zone and they win. For Nebraska, if they don't have the final pick from Jeff Sims, or you change just one of those turnovers or perhaps two of them, football's a game of inches in many cases, not all cases. Sometimes that's too much coach speak or that's too cliche, but cliches are cliches because they are true. This is a game where Nebraska lost because in the game of inches, in close games, Nebraska has not figured out how to get it done. And you may blame this on the coaching staff or the players or whoever. I think this is game one against a program that's far more established. So to get mad is understandable, but to throw away this entire team would be idiocy to throw away this head coach in Matt Rule and the staff would be stupid on every level. P.J. Fleck is the more established head coach. He may not even be the better head coach, but he is the more established program, the more established culture. He also had home field advantage. And maybe the clutch factor is so bad that playing in Memorial Stadium doesn't change anything, but these two teams looked pretty even as far as I could see. And they were different in multiple ways, but when you averaged everything out and took the pros and cons and the plus and minuses and and crunched them all together for each team, these two teams will be power rated similarly in my first Big Ten power rankings video. Minnesota is worse than I thought they were. Nebraska might be slightly worse than I thought they were, the same or slightly better. Only time will tell as they play more games. I saw some people saying that They expect Nebraska to lose to Colorado next week. And we'll have to see how Colorado plays TCU, but very early thoughts on that game. That game will still be a bloodletting in favor of Nebraska because they are going to be pissed after the way they lost. They will either be broken from this loss, at which point they're still that much more talented than Colorado. Colorado's offensive line and defensive line is going to suck. They do not have depth there which means that they won't be able to run, which means they'll have to do what Minnesota does. And unlike Minnesota that has an established program and culture, Deion Sanders has more team chemistry issues to work through because he has 80 new players and he himself is establishing a, a program and an identity and trying to transition Colorado from being a busted football team into a football team that can win, much like Matt Rule. So the season isn't a dumpster fire. This is one game. I know I'm preaching to the choir at this point. You can listen or not. Jeff Sims also had an awful debut. I thought that Jeff Sims was going to be the better quarterback, and he certainly has, in my mind, the higher ceiling. But Ethan Kaliak-Manis, at the end of the day, was the better quarterback. He was, because his supporting cast was just as bad in a variety of different ways as Jeff Sims was. I thought that Jeff Sims had the better running back room, I thought that Jeff Sims had the better play calls. His staff put him in a better position to win than Minnesota's did Kaliak Manis. In the whole game, in the fourth quarter, I would say, Minnesota put Kaliak Manis in a better position to win and to, you know, prove himself and to learn and to win. 
But throughout the whole game, Nebraska schemed Jeff Sims far better than Minnesota did Kaliak Manis. Minnesota supposedly has this dual threat quarterback who has NFL potential. And what did they do? They put him behind a good offensive line that can give him enough time to scramble, make plays, and and sometimes he did. But he sat there kind of like a sitting duck for a lot of the time and threw incompletions, threw near interceptions, and barely ran. He ran, I forget how many times. He probably had more sacks than total scrambles. He was sacked three times, then he had three total rushing carries. You, you did not see Kaliak Manis use his legs, which was advertised throughout the preseason. Jeff Sims had nearly 100 rushing yards, and he carried the team on his back early. He had one touchdown pass, which was on a fluke play, and he had three interceptions. Nearly had a fourth interception if Minnesota's linebacker does not drop that botched pass early in the fourth quarter. 11 completions, 19 attempts. He is not going to win you games in the fourth quarter. And at some point, maybe we have to question, and I hate to say this, but maybe Jeff Sims is who he is. In three years at Georgia Tech, tremendous potential, but could never put it together, and he had a turnover problem. And as I've said before, this team will still go bowling. I think this defense is much better than I thought they were going to be, especially up front. The defensive line has youth there, so the fact that they looked good, and they're not great or near elite, I don't think, but they looked better and impressed me. I think that that is a good thing. It's something to be optimistic about. Same with the linebacker core. Luke Reimer played a good game, and Nick Henrich wasn't in for Nebraska either, and their defense still played at a phenomenal level, especially with Omar Brown, who had two or three passes defended and one beautiful interception where he ran the route for Minnesota's wide receivers and, and just read Kaliak Manis like a book, honestly. Now let's talk about Minnesota. Let's talk about the winner, saving the best for last. Minnesota's new offense is completely out of character. I thought that Minnesota would still run more times than they passed for the whole season, but that you would see, because of a good run attack and a good O-line, that the play action would just be brutal. And that statistically, despite the fact that watching the game, you would know that Kaliak Manis is a system quarterback, statistically, because of a good run game and a lethal tight end and play action game, Minnesota would light up opponents with their wide receiver room. Well, that couldn't have been further from the truth. Minnesota only had 251 offensive yards, one total touchdown on offense. And their kicker went two of three, missing a field goal that was over 50 yards. I think it was a 54-yard field goal. And when I saw that, I'm thinking, he's not going to make it. Minnesota doesn't have a good history with kickers. And Dragan Kesich looked good in the spring game. I think he was the kicker that nailed some of those kicks from the 40s and was very accurate in the spring game. But I didn't think that he would be able to hit 50 yards. You've got to be a good college kicker to hit a, a kick from 50 yards out, or 54, 55. Each yard at that point added on makes your chance to make that field goal almost exponentially lower with wind, pressure, other things. The fact that you have to angle the kick right and you can't kick it too high because otherwise you know, you got to shoot your kick more like a cannon which means greater potential to block the kick, etc. for the defensive special teams. He went two of three. So Minnesota left some points off the board with that interception that Kaliak Manis threw, the missed field goal. Their offense was totally out of character. 
it was clutch. But like PJ Flex said at the end, when he was being interviewed by you know Fox, Big Ten Network, whatever you want to call it, what he said was the fourth down catch was beautiful. The problem was on second down, third down, we didn't execute. The offense was totally out of character. I mean, this it almost frustrates me. If if you're Nebraska, your defense is playing extremely How do you lose? How do you lose to a quarterback that went 24 of 44 for 196, 4.5 average yards per pass, one touchdown, one pick, and despite being advertised as an NFL player with legs by some people and even Big 10 network and legitimate preview pundits threw this out there too, only had five rushing yards. And you, while I thought that Minnesota's offensive line held up well, when you did occasionally get pressure, Kaliak Manis did not know how to handle it. Either he spun out, made something work on his own, which is his ceiling, but in his median play and his floor play, he doesn't know how to instinctively handle pressure. That's all talent. Him, him escaping those blitzes, that's talent, and that's also his offensive line making up for their earlier mistakes because while they may not be elite, they're good, maybe great at pass block, and they have that great to near elite potential all around, I still think, this year. There's plenty of time and plenty of games where they can learn before they really face their next t- their next test of the season, in my mind, which will be either against North Carolina who I really don't take seriously this year because they have no defense and their best wide receiver is still waiting to get his waiver approved for the NCAA, Devontae Walker, I believe, at wide receiver. And Michigan, I'd say, would be Minnesota's next test. And that's in October. So the Golden Gophers have time to get better. The Huskers do as well. I think they're much better than Colorado, Northern Illinois, and Louisiana Tech. Their, Their next test as well will be against conference opponent Michigan. But this offense is out of character. And this defense may be elite. And this is where P.J. Fleck and this team might replicate the exact past two seasons. This may be another carbon copy of 2021 and 2022, which for me is annoying because I expected this team to take a step forward. And they still can. They can still learn and become a better team at the end of the year much like I think Nebraska will. But they looked so out of character. And Kaliak Manis had time in the pocket yet again, but Nebraska was so good at coverage. And whether it was Minnesota's wide receivers not gaining separation, or also both things are likely true, Kaliak Manis not knowing how to read defenses at even a serviceable level, that combined to disaster. And Minnesota couldn't run the football. P.J. Fleck prides his team off of running the football and controlling clock. They only had 55 rushing yards and averaged 2.2 yards per carry. That's the other thing for Nebraska. How do you how do you lose to a team? You, Nebraska was the more Big Ten team than Minnesota was. Facts. Total facts. 19 pass attempts, 37 carries, versus a team that had 44 pass attempts, 25 carries. What does that sound like? I mean, what team, Team A or Team B, Team A, 37 carries on the ground, 19 pass attempts. Team B, 
25 carries, 44 pass attempts. What team sounds like the Big Ten team? That's Team A. That's the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And they couldn't win. And I'm not mocking the staff. I'm just expressing that this is shocking. It is, and it's a credit to P.J. Fleck. And the fact that Nebraska just made too many mistakes all around. Minnesota didn't... Minnesota only had three penalties for 25 yards. Nebraska had seven penalties for 55. On that final drive, it was fourth and one. Minnesota ran it, and Minnesota didn't get it. That's how out of character their offense was. Fourth and one for Minnesota? Well, of course they'll get it with their history at running the ball. Nebraska stopped them, but they stopped them with a face mask, which prolonged the drive, and then on the next fourth down, this out-of-character, trash Minnesota offense burns Nebraska's defensive backs, who've had a great game outside of that point. So... P.J. Fleck is clutch, and the offense, again, is that has to be reworked. The run game especially. Minnesota is not going to win too many games like this, and if they do, then that will be some of the most entertaining football of the year because I will get to laugh and cackle as teams struggle to beat Minnesota while Minnesota looks like Iowa from last year. Minnesota could be like 2022 Iowa. This defense forced four turnovers. They had three sacks. All of those things are uncharacteristic of Minnesota's defense, by the way. They don't thrive off of turnovers and sacks. They typically thrive off of just being stout and forcing you to punt and getting you to go three and out. They did those things, and then they got the extra. So this might be, based off of this game, and it's probably an overreaction, this could be Joe Rossi's best defense, especially with Tyler Newbin being here for a sixth year. Justin Wally potentially being in first-round NFL corner. Tyler Newbin, I think, will definitely be a first-round safety. And then Cody Lindenberg, when he gets back, this defense will improve. Kyler Baugh, um, Danny Strig- Strigo, Jalen Logan Redding. I mean, they have players. Jod Joyner, who was talked about a lot in the preseason, finally earned a starting lineup, 6'5", 250, Defensive end, I believe. This defense has players on it. So, all in all, I watched this game, and it was surprising. Honestly, good win for Minnesota and P.J. Fleck. An ugly win, a win that doesn't scream to me that you're even a top 20 team for sure. Probably not even a top 25 team at this moment. I'll see after all the week one performances and thinking about this game when the emotions and adrenaline leave my mind, whether they should still be in a top 25. I had them at 16th. They're definitely not the 16th best team in the country. We'll see how far they fall. But a win nonetheless. And since Minnesota, Minnesota's upcoming schedule, by the way, for the rest of this season, Eastern Michigan at home, North Carolina on the road, Northwestern at home, Louisiana at home. North Carolina could be tricky, but this defense is so good and they have a great D-line that they, I think, they'll limit Drake May and they'll make him go insane. And then North Carolina's defense is so bad that Minnesota should wreck them despite this performance. And then Eastern Michigan, Northwestern, and Louisiana are infinitely worse than Nebraska is. Minnesota should still be 5-0 and entering the Michigan game. For Nebraska, I think you are still, I think, 3-1, and four and yeah four and one no three and one entering the Michigan game 
the Cornhuskers will beat Colorado, they'll beat Northern Illinois, and they'll beat Louisiana Tech as well. Classic Big Ten game, and speaking of Big Ten and of the Big Ten Conference, thank you to my all-conference patrons, Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, and Roaming Gnome, and thank you to my all-American patrons, Spencer Bringhurst. Supporting me helps me a lot, keeps me motivated, and this game in particular got my adrenaline and emotions sky high. I mean, what a game. A game where, honestly, I don't care that I was wrong in my preview. People are wrong all the time. In fact, you're signing up to be wrong by making preseason predictions. You're actually, you're actually signing up to be wrong by talking about college football. Who would have predicted? I mean, people predicted the under for this game, but 23 combined points? More turnovers. By a single team, more turnovers than touchdowns. Who would have predicted that? Not too many people. But thank you to my patrons for supporting this channel. If you haven't checked out my Patreon page already, please do. I was 3-0 and on the games that I picked today and 2-1 and on spread picks. I predicted UConn to cover against NC State, Utah to cover against Florida. Sadly, didn't correctly predict this point spread for Nebraska-Minnesota. Nebraska ended up covering the spread, but I did pick Minnesota to win along with Utah and NC State to win. So I have pickums depending on the Patreon tier that you join. If you join my all-conference tier, your name will be featured at the end of the video. If you're an All-American or Heisman tier, you'll get the pickums and some other posts as well, my thoughts on reacting to some games that maybe I don't react on here. But occasionally there will be posts and announcements for every single tier on my Patreon. Thank you guys for watching. Please hit the like button and subscribe to the channel and comment your thoughts on this football game down below. Love you guys very much. It's awesome that college football and week one have started. Can't wait for today's games, Friday's games and Saturday and Sunday's matchup where LSU and Florida State face off against each other, which I'll be previewing and predicting that game tomorrow. Have a great day, guys.